Hurry up, your favorite show's about to start. Grab a Capri Sun, some Dunkaroos, and settle in for another episode of The Millennial Movie Club. So I was working with like ChatGPT yesterday. Can you describe for our listeners what that is? Yeah, it's like an AI text uh, application where you can ask it questions and it learns and it gets better and better and better. And the possibilities are are endless and frightening. What was that thing that we used to have? It was like a chatbot that we would use like back in the AIM days. Do you remember? um, What was that called? Smarter Child? Is that it? That was one of them. But there's another one. I bet friend of the pod and creator of Millennial Misery, Jamie 100%. Jackson, would know exactly what I'm talking about. Jamie would know. What would Jamie do? WWJD. <laughs> it's the same same acronym. Same but yeah, there was like this little chatbot you could talk to and be like, tell me a joke. Or you could be like, go fuck yourself. Right. And it would be like, that's not very nice. You know, like just like, but this is like next level shit. We're literally. This is next level. I was playing with Anna the other day and it was like the best way to get a woman to go out with you or like the best way to get a girl to like you or something. And it's like actually really. Start a podcast. It's really, <laughs> start a podcast it was like actually really it was like really sensitive too it was like well you know there are a lot of factors that go into this there's no guarantee that you guys are gonna have chemistry but like try being a really good listener like take interest in the things that she likes it was like all really great stuff like it was authentic it wasn't just like pretend you have a lot of money and like right like negger yeah literally (laughs) neg her until she has no confidence left Thanks, chatbot. <laughs> but this this was pretty amazing. I mean, so I asked it to write the intro if we wanted to podcast. redo the intro. Yeah. Welcome to the Millennial Movie Club, where we take a trip down memory lane and revisit all of our favorite films from the 90s and early 2000s. Each week, we'll discuss a different movie and share our thoughts and memories about it. Whether it's a classic comedy, a tear-jerking drama, or a heartwarming rom-com, we've got something for everyone. So sit back, relax, and join us as we relive the movies that shaped our generation. Wow. It's like kind of similar to what we already have. Really similar to what we already have, except they don't... They just don't talk about Dunkaroos, and I just can't no, get behind that. I could have asked them, but I didn't. I feel like that's the very thorough, very accurate, but also like kind of a little too straightforward and boring for me. Would you say robotic? I would. A little too robotic. Robotic. Well, if anybody out there would prefer that intro in a robot voice, let us know and we'll change it. Happy to. <laughs> anyway, I'm Dan Levine. <laughs> um my fun fact is I got my first kiss uh, at the movies watching Die Another Day, the James Bond movie, where I wow. kissed Tess a bear. Tess is a wonderful human being, and I just want to say thank you. Oh, my God. That's so sweet. You never reveal anything about your sex life on the pod. I'm so stoked. I, I was thinking about it. I was like, well, we got to start somewhere. Right. First kiss. I love that. Okay. I will counter that fun fact. And tell you what my first kiss was not, but almost was. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm Jazz Zapatos, and my first boyfriend in sixth or seventh grade, his name was, his name is still Dustin Waldman. (laughs) And you had to change his name after. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We were hanging out with two of his friends, and his mom. Like she drove us somewhere like to Chili's or something to eat. And then she picked us up and had to pick something up at Bed Bath & Beyond. So we were all like wandering around Bed Bath & Beyond. And then he tried to 
make out with me for the first time in like the bathroom, like shower curtain section of Bed Bath & Beyond Whoa. with his two friends like watching. And I was like not having it. <laughs> and then the that. next day at school, a girl came up to me and was like, um, Dustin's breaking up with you because he says you're a prude. Wow. Yeah. Dick. Yeah, yeah, that was rude. But then like in high school, we kind of were like on again. <laughs> but then like I like went to Disney World with my ex-boyfriend and he got really pissed off and I think he still hates me. Apparently, he talks a lot of shit about me from what I've heard. <laughs> Damn, let it go, man. Apparently, I'm I'm too into myself. But anyway, you can't win them all. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. That's not the goal here. You can't please everyone. Yeah. And everyone's got their special someone or something. Exactly. And look, if if now you wanted to try to kiss me with your friends watching, I might be more amenable to it. But I was a mere child. Right. And you're going to have to find a Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> and those are few and far in between at this point. Ah, so. uh, the good old days. It was probably called just Bed & Bath at that point, too. Probably. They didn't have the Beyond yet. No way. T- t- step into the future. And that's exactly <laughs> what we're doing on the podcast today see, as see we are there. stepping into the future by looking into the past at the film Gattaca, which I thought was Gattaca and I was spelling it wrong the whole time, but it's actually- Like with an I? I was, yeah, but it's actually Gattaca. There is a reason for that to jump in Ooh, right away. Ooh, yes. Yeah, you know, get spicy right away. <laughs> uh, it's composed entirely of the letters used to label the nucleotide bases of DNA. So the n- four nitrogen bases of DNA are adenine, thymine, c- uh cytosine and guanine and so they created gattaca from that that's fun more specifically when i I, it says when identifying genetic markers the test measures short tandem repeats at i don't know what the fuck is going on here but like at specific (laughs) dna marker locations and Uh these are known as gata Mm -hmm. g-a-t-a or c-a and when it repeats it's gattaca so it's like Gattaca, 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 Gattaca. Let's make a song. Where's Doug? Gattaca, 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 Gattaca. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just have Doug freestyle on it. Oh, he'd crush yeah. that. Okay, so you have all of these things, and then you mash them together, and then you get a dinosaur egg, and then that's how that's right. you make a dinosaur. And you never leave anything for the swim back. That's the most important Ooh, part. Oh, God. So powerful. The best. Oh, well, best there ever one was. of the best moments of cinema. For realsies. Oh, man. Okay. Shall we set the scene? Absolutely. The description of this movie reads, Vincent Freeman has always fantasized about traveling into outer space, but is grounded by his status as a genetically inferior invalid. He decides to fight his fate by purchasing the genes of Jerome Morrow, a laboratory-engineered valid. He assumes Jerome's DNA identity and joins the Gattaca space program, where he falls in love with Irene. An investigation into the death of a Gattaca officer complicates Vincent's plans. Fuck yeah. I, when I was watching it for this time, I was thinking it is so cool that this movie centers around a murder that's not committed by the main character, but just kind of like complicates a crime that he's already committing. Yeah, that is not something you see very often. Not very often, no. I mean, we get framing sometimes, but also like framing an identity underneath another identity. It's like many layers deep. Inception. We've been incepted by Gattaca. Mm-hmm. For sure. Let's chat about this cast and the crew. The movie was written and directed by Andrew Nichol, a New Zealand-born screenwriter and director who began his career directing commercials in London and decided he wanted to make films longer than 60 seconds, 
we have seen his work in the likes of The Truman Show, The Terminal, The Host. Not a ton, but what he's done has been very palpable. I haven't seen the latter two, but I love The Truman Show. He's been, I guess this guy's been fucking with my head for like ever. Yeah, he actually fucked all of us over in a bit. Like he changed consciousness as we know it. Like who amongst us has not questioned whether or not we're just the star in an elaborate show? Everyone's in on it. It could still be true. I'm not sure. It could still be true. But who's the star? You or me, Daniel? Probably you. (laughs) I feel like an NPC. You're an oblivious actor. (laughs) They're like, he doesn't know. This is all a gig. He doesn't know. No one's watching him. Look, it's- That's actually more more accurate. It's a gig economy. No one gives a shit. This is the gig economy. It's the non-consensual gig economy. (laughs) Is that what it's called? It is now. (laughs) Wow. Our lead actor in the role of Vincent slash New Jerome is Ethan Hawke, who we know from Dead Poets Society, Reality Bites, Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, Boyhood. He's a pretty low-key dude, but just a really prolific actor. I'm only now coming around to Ethan Hawke. He's so under the radar. I've never really liked Ethan Hawke, but now I'm like, he's great. Next up in the role of Irene, we have badass Uma Thurman, who we know from movies like Dangerous Liaisons, Pulp Fiction, Batman and Robin, The Avengers, Kill Bill. I would say maybe this is like her least impressive, most boring role because she's done a lot of really cool shit. But it's not, in my opinion, it's not like because of the way she's acting. No, it's the role. She's she's supposed to be this noir Mm -hmm. kind of femme, is it femme fatale in this? But like she's supposed to be acting like that. And she does it very well. Yeah. Her eyes are so far apart. Her eyes are pretty far apart. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, we've got the real, real Jerome. Welcome back to the podcast, friend of the pod, Jude Law. Good to have you. A venerated actor of his generation. He was born in London, child to drama teachers. Once again, we know him from movies <laughs> like The Holiday. That's it. That's all we know That's him it. from. He was a one-hit wonder. <laughs> yeah. He's done a ton of film theater but this is an early film for him this is one of his first film roles back in 1997 after that we've seen him in the talented mr ripley road to perdition cold mountain closer the aviator the list goes on and on and on it's either this or talented mr ripley which i think are my favorite jude law performances i mean it it could be this i thought i had seen the talented mr ripley but it was actually this it was not that because it's, it's another like, it's like another Let's like go. fake identity movie, right? It is. You know, it's weird. So oh, I don't want to give away too No, I don't want to give away too much about it. There's a connection here. But if you haven't seen the movie, I don't want to. Okay. I think it might ruin it for you. But we'll save it for when we do Talented Mr. Ripley. Um, one thing that's cool is Jude Law's middle name is Eugene. He asks to be called that, and which is obviously like a reference to eugenics. Whoa. So it's originated from well-born in the Greek language. Oh. They've got a bunch of that. Everything that's named in this movie is somehow related to some cool shit. He always like sneaks na- names of his choice into the films. Like in The Holiday, they used his daughter's name for Kate Winslet's parts. Are we sure his real life middle name is Eugene? No, no. I mean his character's name. Oh, okay. Good, good, good. That's what I thought. <laughs> Oh, okay. We also, I don't want to do that many of these. I think that's enough. I mean. Okay, cool. There are more great actors in this film. I mean, we have Alan Arkin. We have Gore Vidal. Look it up. Look it up. We got to get to the point here. Got to get to the point. One quick thing before that. Please. It's the film debut of Maya Rudolph. 
And we don't know it's her because she has a mask on. She's delivering Excuse Vincent. Excuse me? Yeah, it's wild. I, I She's saw the it. nurse in the delivery room? Yeah, with a mask on. So you cannot tell. I, I just read about it. I saw her in the cast list. And then I had to look up the scene again. Maya Rudolph, I fucking love that bitch. Yeah, of course. And this movie is produced by Danny DeVito, which is really cool. He just loved this plot. Like I think everyone in this movie did. I mean, Ethan Hawke is obsessed, still obsessed with this movie. I think he thinks it's maybe the best movie he's ever done. Let it go, dude. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> know who is also a big fan of this movie? The critics. So Emmanuel Levy of Variety wrote, one of the first Hollywood films about the effects of genetic engineering on human conduct Andrew Nichols' directing debut is an intelligent and timely sci-fi that, despite some illogical plot contrivances, Mm -hmm. is emotionally engaging, almost up to the end. I don't know what is contrived about it. I mean, it's supposed to be in the style of new... Whatever. I don't want to pick apart this (laughs) review. Who gives a shit? He's a fan with some critiques. With some reservations. He's just doing his job. Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody who had, like, nothing bad to say. Our dear friend, Raj. Let's go. He gave this movie three and a half out of four stars. Nice. He writes, this is one of the smartest and most provocative of science fiction films, a thriller with ideas. Its hero is a man who challenges the system. Science fiction in the movies has recently specialized in alien invasions, but the best of the genre deals with ideas. At a time when we read about clone sheep and tomatoes crossed with fish. I miss I missed that. that. I missed that one too, yeah. <laughs> Give me some tomato fish, please. <laughs> what happened? Sounds delightful. Love both those things. The science in Gattaca is theoretically possible. We look back in this movie and it's like it's a commentary about things that exist right now. But at the time, there was not such things. Right. Like, you know, IVF was available. Mm-hmm. But at this point now, the things that they discussed are like at our doorstep. Right. Eugenics is like a massive moral debate because of the fact that it is right here like it can happen oh yeah and a lot of things are happening it's just where you start to draw that line the first 10 minutes of this movie talks all about that in a time when that you know is only in theory it's just so prescient i guess no it's pretty genius i mean honestly the only thing missing is the tomato fish but everything else is pretty on it was a glaring omission though where they didn't talk about that tomato fish they didn't really show food at all no they didn't (laughs) no i'm thinking about it (laughs) (laughs) just a lot of vodka i love the look of this film everything is so clean Mm -hmm. and like oh my god the precision precise and the lighting the coloring of it it would just be like green or it would be a a lot of gold like a lot of like Mm -hmm. gold lighting gold very sepia tone very almost again like we're contrasting this very futuristic view in a lot of futuristic movies like the style kind of goes back to like a 1920s thing as if we've started over or something yeah but maybe just because that was a very streamlined time i watched this really interesting kind of video essay about this they went back in time to that look because that was a time when sincerity was like expected mm, and it's a really yeah. sincere movie but is it sincerity It's like forced transparency dressed up as sincerity, right? Like Mm. in the past, 
there was that level of sincerity. In this kind of future, there's just no hiding anything because you can't. Ooh, good call. Love that take. Thank you. Hot takes, hot takes. Coming in. Hot ass takes. I started to read this article, but then I felt like the person didn't really know what they were talking about, about, you know, the sepia, like the gold Mm -hmm. versus the green. You know, it's like the sky is yellow Mm -hmm. and that's supposed to be his past. But then I started thinking a little bit more about it. It's almost like, you know, the sun is too close to the earth or something like that. It makes you feel like space is closer or something. But then it breaks the rules a lot. Like when the detective is coming to visit Jerome and the sky is yellow, like that's not the past. So I'm not really sure what the rules are and why he uses that color palette, yeah. but it's really cool. And I have questions for later. Seamsies. <laughs> Great. Well, I hope you have answers to my questions and vice versa. Probably not. <laughs> Back to our Amazon reviews, I want to say like the majority of the bad reviews were just people being like, boring, 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 boring. And yeah, it is, it's not an action film, so to speak. No. It's a sci-fi film with some tension. It requires patience, but in my opinion, like it's patience that pays off. So I could see if you're expecting like Speed 2, this movie is going to feel boring to you. Agreed. I, I think this movie was just so poorly marketed. It was marketed as like a dark thriller Mm. instead of like a heady intellectual exercise. And it fucking bombed (gasps) at the box office. I mean, really, the budget was $36 million. It made $12 million in theaters. Ooh, yikes. Yeah. Okay. Well, here are some of the other gripes people had with the movie. First review reads, listen, suicide is always wrong. No spoilers, because I'm not going to say who. (laughs) Instead of killing himself, that character should have just been motivated to become a lawyer and help both of the main characters go on a space trip to Jupiter. I really hated this movie. I actually have some thoughts about this that are not that far off. Not That's not, not even close to that, but there's like a string in there that I want to fall, okay, you know, great. grab onto. We'll get back to it. Next review reads, let me come right out and say it. I hated this movie. Hated, hated, hated. Okay, that might be a little too harsh. After all, it's not as bad as genital herpes, swallowing cat piss, or watching a Michael Bay flick. But as far as genius sci-fi goes, this is inferior, an imposter, an invalid, and possibly one of the worst scenes I can recall off the top of my head. The party date with Uma? She realizes he's a murder suspect and has been lying to her, watches him beat down some cop, and then they make love under a gorgeous (laughs) starlit sky? Atrocious. I kind of love the gripes about these specific movies because, like, it's not the gripe about the movie. It's, like, about how they feel like life should work or something. Right, right. Like, what do you mean he deceives her and then they make love under a gorgeous starlit sky? Well, that's how most sex happens. Right, that's true. (laughs) That's true. Maybe this is a lot smarter than we think it is. It's a lot of deception and a lot of gorgeous starlit skies out there. Right. Everyone's a suspect. Atrocious. <laughs> Whatever, dude. <laughs> this movie rules. It's so good. At least it's better than a Michael Bay film, right? Michael Bay's kind of cool, too. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, shall we fake our identity to get into a space launch and fly up into the plot? Absolutely. Let's get into Saturn's moons or whatever. Triton. Triton. Opening credits. We've got a bunch of unidentified falling stuff. Detritus. Is that how you say it? Why, you say detritus? Yeah. I don't know. I don't say either one very often. (laughs) That's not part of your... But lucky for us, we get to talk about it today. It's literally zoomed in. 
hair, skin, and fingernails. Kind of gross when you think about it. Yeah, I've never been grossed out by that kind of stuff. So you haven't taken like public transportation with like a person trimming their toenails on the subway next to you? I don't like that, but I'm not like grossed out by, you know, everyone's like the stuff you're inhaling is like 99% fucking skin or whatever. I don't care. I'll inhale everyone's skin. Fill me up with skin, daddy. (laughs) Thirsty for skin. My new aim name. Gross myself out. All right. (laughs) Anyway, uh, turns out it's Ethan Hawke or Vincent grooming the shit out of himself and burning the evidence. He's adhering fake fingerprints while with blood, taping someone else's pee-pee to his leg. To be, to be clear, right, it's pee, not it's the urine. Not <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not the penis. No. I should be more careful about that. But yeah, so we're like, man, he's going to a lot of effort here. Wonder why. Cut to his office. A ton of very serious people in suits working on flight plans to space, Jupiter to be exact. And he is intricately placing DNA all over his workspace. As you do. As one does. Uh, He goes in to do his pee test and the doctor every week apparently tells him he's got a great penis. He's like, wish my parents ordered me one like that. I can't imagine how nice this guy's dick has to be for this guy to call it out. It's got to be unbelievable. He's like, I've worked here for three years, dude. Like every week you got to tell me. That's how good it must be. He's like, I cannot go without saying. I know I sound like a broken record, but. Wow. Holy (laughs) mama. He's sweating. (laughs) So we have some voiceover talking about how Jerome Morrow he, Jerome Morrow, is going to space, but I am not Jerome Morrow. We flash back to him being conceived the old-fashioned way, out of love, in a car. And at birth, they take a little blood sample out of the baby's foot, and they can already tell everything about his genetics. And it's not looking good, <laughs> basically. No. He's at like 99% chance for heart disease. His projected lifespan is only 30 years old. So from the time he's a child, people are treating him like he's chronically ill and very incapable. Yeah, it's like the exact time and cause of my death was already known, which is not necessarily true, as we'll learn throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. Like this is the theme yeah. that you're going off of probabilities here. But they, they're like, he's going to die at age 31 from heart complications or whatever it is. Yeah. So his parents are stressed all the way out. So they decide for their second child... They're going to have him the, quote, natural way, which in this society is basically in a lab where they can choose everything from his hair color, eye color, his probability of having a drinking problem. They are basically taking the best of the best of these two people's genetics and creating a child. So now they have two children, one who is genetically superior and the other one who is noticing. It's really relatable, the conversation that they're having. The parents are like, well, yeah, I want to make sure that he doesn't have diseases, but shouldn't we like stop it at a point? Like at what point are we going too far? Mm -hmm. And the doctor's like, the child is still coming from you guys, just like the best of you. Right. It's like you could conceive it a thousand times and never get such a result. So he's trying to get them to go farther and farther, farther into like genetic perfection. And you could see how that could work. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone wants the best for their children. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Never mind. Or maybe not everyone. No, I was going to make a joke, but it was going to be the doctor being like, but unfortunately, since neither one of you has a big dick, there's nothing we can do about that. (laughs) But I was like, but... Vincent already has one, but it could have been like from his grandfather could have skipped a generation. So we don't know. That's what they always say. The size Look of your at dick. your grandpa's dick <laughs> from your father's side. That's the dick you will have. <laughs> I never checked before he died. I checked right away. 
disappointing. Man, my grandfather must have a great vagina. <laughs> yeah, it works both ways. Genetics. Yeah. Anyway, so the two brothers as children, they would always play chicken, a game of chicken, swimming in the ocean. They'd swim out and see who would turn back first. And Vincent would always turn back first. Basically, society has this view and this prejudice against people who are genetically non-altered. And because he's raised in that environment, he is looking at himself with that same perspective. Like he is sort of less than, he's incapable, he's not exactly pushing the boundaries. And also because of this, these people are discriminated against. They're not able to get very high power jobs. So basically, he is like obsessed with space, has dreams of going to space. And his dad is sort of like, the only way you're going to see the inside of a spaceship is if you're cleaning the toilet. So he gets a job cleaning toilets at Gattaca, which is this, it's like NASA. Yeah, I guess so. It seems like a privately held, it would be like SpaceX, I'm guessing. Sure. Okay. Oh, God. We really do have that now. (laughs) Uh, That's crazy. Or maybe it's not privately held. Maybe it's just NASA. I don't know. It seemed privately held. It did. It definitely did. So he is a custodian there. He's watching the space launches every day and just dreaming he was one of the fancy people in suits. But no matter how hard he studied or trained, he would never be able to pass the blood test and like as you go into work, what a shitty, that sucks. Every single day where you're going into work, you have to put your finger on this little thing and like get stabbed in the finger and your blood taken constantly just to prove that you're like genetically superior. Yeah, it's like the Elizabeth Holmes thing. So maybe it's not that painful. But the first time he does it, he's like, oh, fuck. I didn't expect a tiny knife to come out of here. Yeah. I thought it was a thumbprint scan. <laughs> Every day I get in here, I get shot up with epinephrine and ready to go. <laughs> okay, if you like this movie, side note, you need to watch the Brave New World series. You would love it. Yeah. You know the book Brave New World? By Alter Suxley? Yeah. They made a really fucking great television series. And it's like all set in this sort of like futuristic society where Sick. like, you know, but they're like giving them those little happy pills all day long. And it's very, very cool. It is one because anyway. you said that this is that's kind of like this. You can make the argument that this is kind of paved the way for Black Mirror and things like that. Oh, for you know, sure. I yes. know that there's been stuff like this, but it's very Black mirror It's very Black mirror Especially with the added touch that like there's like a weird underbelly black market of DNA buying and sharing happening. Yeah. So he finds this shady guy. And when I think shady, I think Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub. Monk himself. (laughs) Lubed it right up. (laughs) He specializes in helping people fake their genetics to get ahead in the world. So sometimes the people with the best genetics, the height of society, fall on hard times and they need to sell their DNA to get back on top. So intro, Jude Law, or the real Jerome, he's genetically superior, was a swimming star who broke his back and is now wheelchair bound. So they decide to go into business together so that Vincent can achieve his goals using Jerome's DNA while Jerome is able to benefit from maintaining the lifestyle he was accustomed to basically Vincent's going to pay for everything. So they begin this transformation process. At first, I couldn't figure out why Jerome would ever want to do this. But I think he's going to... So essentially, he's getting a percentage, just like Tony Shalhoub's character, of his future earnings. But that means you have to really believe in the candidate. Like, you really need to think that he's going to make it into Gattaca. Yeah. But also the upfront costs. Like, how does Vincent have all this money? But... I don't know. Maybe it's not upfront costs. Maybe it's just like... We make money you, if you make money. 
Yeah, because why would he pay for something if it doesn't work? It's a big gamble, just like his job at Gattaca. I feel like the reason why they choose this occupation for Vincent in the movie is like, this is the most important thing to get right genetics wise, like because they're investing a lot of money into somebody that they're shooting into space, they can't die and they can't fuck up. Right. They're looking for the best of the best genetically Mm -hmm. to do this. That has not continued into uh, real life. <laughs> They're like, whatever, we'll shoot Pete Davidson That's up into right. space. Doesn't fucking matter. I, I don't know. A lot of women... Namely, like six of them would say that that's the best of the best. He's genetically superior. Yeah. In one way specifically. Uh, One quick thing that I wanted to say about, I guess, the set is that it's filmed in the Marin County Civic Center, which was a Frank Lloyd Wright design. And it was it's the only public structure built from Frank Lloyd Wright. And it works so well for this movie. It doesn't look like a real place. Like it looks like they might be like green screened into like a fake office environment that looks perfect for this film. I think it was designed in the 50s and made in the 60s, but it looks futuristic. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like this is a visual metaphor for the whole general aesthetic and, and feel of this movie. Couldn't have planned that better. For sure. So we begin transforming Vincent into Jerome. So we go, we give him contact lenses of the right color. We fix his teeth we even operate on his legs to make him two inches taller which is fucked turns out all he needed in the interview to get a job there was to pee in the cup and have a very nice dick and have a great dick yeah i mean he's like congratulations what about the interview that was it that's the interview that's all i need crazy do they not care about like how much you've studied for this shit and like how familiar you are with the material, I don't know. But clearly not. They're just like they you have about. the you have the genetic predisposition to be smart enough to learn any of this, I guess, or be physically adept. It's throughout society. Like there's these times when like Tony Shalhoub is trying to explain to him, it's like, I don't look like this guy. It's like no one when's the last time anyone has looked at an ID? All they care about is like this drop of yeah, blood. No one's looking at your face anymore. It's great. Yeah, they're looking at what's behind it. So Jerome is nope. <sighs> It's going to get confusing. It's going like to get confusing. Face yeah. off. Oh, fuck. Um, okay. New Jerome, Vincent. He is basically been informed that like he is going to go up into space at the end of the week. What could be better? Nothing could get in the way except for the fact that the mission director ends up found murdered in the office, which triggers an entire investigation. J. Edgar's everywhere, a.k.a. Hoover's, a.k.a. vacuum cleaners vacuuming up all the dna in the place also like g-men you know they i think that they reference it like it's a double entendre kind of Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's like fbi men or something like that like in monsters inc right exactly like monsters it all comes back to monsters inc when you accidentally bring a sock back from a child's room (laughs) oh man i love that movie me too um uma thurman is asked to be like keep an eye on the investigation basically and make sure they have everything they need she is like kind of i guess suspicious of him because the mission director was like trying to shit on his mission a little bit like say that it wasn't going to happen and he always seems like pretty calm and nonchalant and stuff like i guess maybe too calm so she goes into his desk and gets a piece of his hair she brings it to this place where they analyze the dna and they can tell you like everything about a person which like i guess people do all the time in that society like one girl's there she's like i just made out with this guy i want to know if he's like a keeper basically yeah. they like swab our lips you know there's specials going on about dna analysis like this is happening oh, yeah. all the time can you imagine like in the dating world today to be like yeah sure you're cute but let's see like what your genetics look like if let's see if you're good for breeding and like yeah. that's how you decide who you want to date i would be 
SOL, I think. <laughs> well, for me, I guess it depends how you look at it, right? Like, oh, she can't digest any food without shitting her pants, but she but is can keep her figure. For me, it's like he's got flat feet and asthma and he's allergic to nuts and uh, <laughs> I don't know, he's got a weird kind of thing going on. I think that's it, actually. <laughs> I don't know if, if there's like an upside. He but. does love dogs, though. He loves dogs. Must love dogs. Yeah. Must love dogs. Put it on the list. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. So, she looks into him. But, of course, the hair that he's placed in his desk was very strategically placed. And it is one of Jerome's hairs. So, she's, like, thrown off the track. So, there's an older detective and a younger detective who are at odds throughout this investigation. They do find one of Vincent's eyelashes. So, they assume that an old janitor was in the building and potentially killed the mission director. So now there's like a wild goose chase. But the younger detective is not really so sure that this is the case. Yeah. And I think that we need to spoil it right now because we need to be able to talk about it. Like that director is his brother. We've got to. Okay. I I think so. Because the older director is like, well, did he do a family background check? It's like, yeah, yeah, I did it. So like he knows the whole He knows that his brother is a suspect. Right. So that kind of informs a lot of his actions moving forward. For sure. I totally forgot that that was the case when I was watching, by the way. Really? I haven't watched this movie in so long and I did not. I remembered it before the reveal, but I did not remember it up top. I mean, it's great. It's a fucking great plot twist. Oh. Meanwhile, Uma and Ethan are starting to get a little flirty. She like pulls out one of her hairs to let him sequence it to make sure he's still interested. And he just like, I love it. He just like lets it go, drops her piece of hair and is like, oops, the wind caught it. Basically like, I don't give a shit. I like you for you and your spaced out eyes. That is one of the things that I'd forgotten about. You know, she's compromised as well. Yeah, she has a heart condition. So she's never going to make it up. She said... I'm going to make another revolution around the sun in this satellite. You know, she's just going to stay on Earth. So she has some connection with him, which might Mm -hmm. be why she might be able to kind of see things that other people can't see. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so now his old face is now plastered everywhere around the office as a murder suspect. And he starts to freak out. Like he almost calls off the entire thing. But Eugene is like, oh, no, it's Eugene who says it. Like they don't see your face anymore. They only see me. Right. Which is crazy because like, I don't care how far we've advanced. Like there's a big ass picture of you. I mean, the picture that they use in the movie is a combination of the two people. Yes. It's not just straight up Jude Law. It's like Ethan Hawke meets Jude Law's face and it looks really good. We should also say that Jude Law is definitely a little worse for wear. Like I mentioned, he was a champion swimmer, probably was on top of the world. I mean, we find more out later, but, you know, now he's basically like he's crippled. He's an alcoholic. He had received a silver medal before he was crippled and like never really got over being second best. So while he has to sort of stay clean in order to give all of these samples to Vincent, he is definitely a troubled young man. That whole silver medal thing is one of the more interesting questions that this brings up. Jude Law brings it up himself. Like, if I am the best possible person, how could I possibly get silver? My whole life is kind of a lie. Right. You know, if if right. we are engineering people, then how is anyone going to be the best? And what does right. that say about me? The same way that people who are genetically predispositioned to be weaker and the invalids can rise to the top. You know, it's like they don't yeah. want to recognize the flaws in the system that they're benefiting from. It's just yeah. a simpler way, you know, to think about things. So maybe that's why it's gotten to this point. Yeah. Yeah. We also find out that this mission can only happen during a seven day window every 70 years. So 
the guy who's like the boss of the whole place is basically like, you guys are being disruptive of this. Like this mission is going to happen. You got to get out of here. And he's like, but you have a murderer in your midst. And like, it doesn't really matter to the big boss. Irene is, I've been calling her Uma the whole time, but her character's name is Irene. She's been like, Always, you know, she's got that female intuition. Mm -hmm. She's got a janky heart, but that intuition's intact. (laughs) And she is like, she's always kind of questioning about Jerome. Like, it's like she just is picking up on something, even though, like, she doesn't have really any hard evidence. So basically, like, they're out on a date to this jazz club, and the detectives just burst into the club. They're going to test everybody in there. So Jerome grabs her, and they just make a run. Well, first he beats the shit out of a detective who's guarding the back door. They, like, make a run for it, and she's like, what the actual fuck? And this is when I remembered when the younger detective is screaming Vincent in the street. Yeah. Vincent! It's like, you know. There's something more than the case going on. Yeah. Exactly. So now, like, Uma kind of knows that something's up. They haven't really put a name to it yet. But regardless, they go home to her cool glass house on the beach. And and make love under a gorgeous starlit sky. Atrocious. It was atrocious. It's such a cool scene, too. I don't know if they did this on purpose, but, like, the way that the house looks, it's kind of like an infinity kind of look to it where the bed kind of looks like it's out over the ocean. There's a lot of like visual nudges about what's going to happen at the end Mm -hmm. and and water and swimming in general and being in the middle of things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ocean and the water is like a big thing. And it's interesting because throughout we sort of see this theme that like science versus nature, right? And at the end of the day, like nature becomes sort of the great equalizer. Like there's really no fighting nature despite all the scientific advancements and we sort of we see that at the end but anyway we'll get there (laughs) just getting deep on y'all you didn't know how to do me (laughs) she's got a theater degree (laughs) and you rhymed yeah well it's part of the theater degree junior year is like a full year of dr seuss of just all rhymes yeah tough year so yeah, so they finally sort of connect Vincent and Jerome, the detectives. Next day at work, Uma gets a little whiff of this. And as Jerome is walking in, she's like, you're not looking well. You should probably go home today. But the young detective runs into her and is like, where's your buddy? And he's like, he's not feeling well. And it's very common before a mission. So he's like, well, you can take me to his house. He calls Eugene and he's like, the detectives are coming over right now. Oh my God, this scene is so tense. I feel like Jude Law should win some type of award for this scene. It's so- Gold over silver. Yes, that's right. This is his gold medal. He literally tips himself out of his wheelchair and using just his upper body, pulls himself up this huge spiral staircase. A spiral staircase that looks like a helix as well. Oh, good call. Another visual. (laughs) Accident? I think not. Probably not. So he like gets himself up to the sitting room just in time for Uma and the detective to get in there. I forgot though that like Uma has no, really has no clue what's actually going on. It's so So she walks in and he's like, oh, hello, darling. Where's my kiss? And she's just going along with it. But you can tell she's like, what the actual fuck? Who is this person? (laughs) So the detective takes his blood. It's clearly him, but he's still not sold. The younger detective, he's on to his brother. He knows what's going on. He's like about to walk downstairs and expose everything. But then he gets a call from the older detective and he's like, we got our man. So like 
he leaves. I think that this next series of, of lines in the script is like a clinic on script writing. Ethan Hawke is coming up the stairs and he's like, how are you, Jerome? And Jude Law's like, I'm fine, Jerome. Ethan's like, how the hell did you get up here? Jude Law's like, oh, I could always walk. I was just faking it. <laughs> how many words is that? Like 25? It tells absolutely everything that Irene needs to know in like mm-hmm. this small little exchange. It exposes everything. And you can yeah, see Yeah, we don't have to do face. a whole like, all right, well, here's a story. Yeah, why don't you sit down? Now this is a story all about how <laughs> I turned my DNA upside down. And I like to take advantage of sit right there because you can't get up. You're bound to a wheelchair. Where's yes friend of the pod, Dougie Woodick, when we need him? We don't need him because I'm doing it. We could use defeat that I can't make. Fair. Yeah. Um, wowzers. Uh, how do we even go on from there? Speaking of beats, his heart is like 30,000 <laughs> beats overdue. So. Uh, yeah. So basically, Uma's like realizes she's been lied to. And he's like, look, I'm not a murderer. We both have heart defects. We are the same. I just am doing what I need to do to get ahead. She also says something that's aped later. It's like, how is this possible? And it's like, you are the authority of what is not possible. Like, Right, right. And he's saying, like, you're, you're looking so hard for any flaw that after a while, it's like all you could see is flaws. So, Right. That's how society has programmed you to view yourself. Yeah, even when he's, like, taking her, like, running her down the alleyway earlier, she, like, kind of, like, stumbles and falls. And she's like, I can't do this like you. And he like says something did. like, yeah, yeah. She's beaten down by the society's own expectations for her. I yeah. mean, even, even like the underclass that we see, like the janitors, they're all just like dead eyed. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter that they could be poised yeah. for great things. Like they've been told that they're not. Yeah. And that doesn't need to have to do with genetics. I mean, it happens all the time with class mm-hmm. struggle and things like that now. So exactly. or forever. Yeah. So true. So if Jerome slash Vincent's not our guy, who is it? Turns out, with a little extra swabbing, we found <laughs> what? That's the That's, truth. This is a funny way of saying it. <laughs> That's the truth. With a little extra swabbing, we found a bit of saliva in the dead man's eye that belonged to the boss of the whole thing. This was weird for me, only because like the young detective shows up and the older detective's like, "Hey, you were right all along. Must feel pretty good. We found this old guy's spit in his eye and." We just realized like he didn't want anything to get in the way of this mission because he knew he wouldn't live to see another one. But now that the mission's well on its way, like it's fine. and He's willing to cooperate. But he's just like sitting there calmly. He's just like, well, yeah, you got me. Like we don't, yeah, he don't doesn't even say anything. I think that he, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I think that he like actually loves his company and he thinks that this is a disruption and like a bad mark on the company itself. It's like, no, this is me. It's not the company. And now yeah. that I can say it, I'm going to own fess up to it. Yeah. It is strange, though. Now, the, it's like he did it for the sake of progress. Right. You know, if he didn't, this launch wouldn't happen. And But yeah, so the young detective, he still knows regardless that his brother's been up to some crazy shit. So he's just waiting for him at his desk. Yeah. I mean, this is borderline reckless that Vincent goes. They're like yelling in the office. That? Like all this stuff. And like, why do you, he's like, I got to go see the detective. No, you don't. No, you don't. Why? Why? Just chill out for like two more days and you're getting on a spaceship. Yeah, but. But they've got to have it out once and for all. He's like, don't you recognize your own brother? You committed fraud. Like, you got to come with me. And he's like, after all this, like, you just have to see me fail for you to know that you're better than me. (sighs) He's like, I had to save you once, remember? How do you explain that? He's like, you didn't beat me. I beat myself. 
He's like, you want me to prove it to you? I'll prove it to you. So then they have a very awkward car drive over to what I assume. <laughs> it's weird they the cut beach. that scene out. <laughs> <laughs> in their suits. But they strip down. They get in the water. And they have one last game of chicken out in the ocean in the middle of the night. And they're like swimming out. They can't see anything. You know, his younger brother's like, Vincent, where's the shore? We're too far out. He's like, you want to quit? He's like, no. They keep swimming out. They keep swimming out. And the younger brother is just not, doesn't understand how it's happening. He's like ready to call it quits. He's like, how are you doing it? How are you doing any of this? There's one, another line in there. He's like, we got to swim back. It's like, it's too late for that now. We're closer to the other side. Mm-hmm. And that's it's a like great line It's like the other side too. of what? The yeah. other side of what? Yeah. And that's also a little that's, like oh, it of. Yeah. Oh, God. I have goosey. Me too. It's so good. How are you doing this, Vincent? I'm going to let you, wanna... you do it. No, let... you got to do no, it. No, I'm letting you do it. This is a big line for you. This is how I did it. I never saved anything for the swim back and crescendo music. I mean, oh, I feel God. like we could talk for like a half an hour oh, about God. this line. It's My so body hair is growing so fast right now. <laughs> oh, so much wasted money and time. <laughs> I mean, it is just, it's a perfect perfect line it says so much i mean there's a very basic understanding of like uh, maybe there's not a basic understanding of this but like the interpretation can get complicated about what he means it it means like the things that can't be read in dna and like what like blind confidence is and where it comes from and like when you don't care about dying and whether when people have like beaten you down your whole life you've maybe grown this muscle that like you don't care about the outcome of things and the strength that that kind of creates right right he's like i never thought i would get this far anyway right i'm living on borrowed time like who gives a fuck like you you're scared of dying right that means you are inferior right so true he's like i already know i have nothing to lose right wow yeah so his brother starts to sink and once again he saves him and brings him back to shore uma has kind of gotten over it she's (laughs) under she understands now she gives him a piece of her hair in case He's still interested and he lets it go and goes, sorry, the wind caught it. Slick. So they spend one last beautiful night together before he goes to space. He gets home and Eugene has stockpiled the fridge with enough blood and piss for two lifetimes. And he's like, I'm not going to need this where I'm going. He's like, for when you get back, I'm traveling too. He gives him a letter and says not to read it until he's upstairs, a.k.a. in space. And he's got this great line, too, where it's like, I got the better end of the deal. I only lent you my body like you lent me your dream. Mm -hmm. The whole time you're kind of like, why is Jude Law so passionate about this? Like, Mm -hmm. it's not for the money. He needs purpose. The reason why he tried to kill himself. Well, yeah, we didn't talk about that yet. Oh, we didn't talk about that. But I was going to talk about it before we... So oh, anyway. my bad. Okay, good. That was fine. So he says, <laughs> he says, I'm traveling too. While Vincent is getting ready to board the spaceship, Eugene is loading himself inside the furnace. And earlier in the movie, we have a scene where after they've gone out together and gotten totally blasted, basically Eugene reveals that it wasn't like an accident or a swimming injury or whatever. He literally just stepped out in front of a car to kill himself. And even that, he got a silver medal in. Like, he couldn't even accomplish. So we know that he's never been able to live with his imperfections. And clearly, like, somebody who suffers with that kind of, you know, suicidal tendencies, like, also probably not a genetic superstar. But That's also something I didn't understand. Like, so Eugene is depressed. They couldn't have figured that out from 
I mean, I think that he's depressed because of his apathy that he's, yeah. you know, getting over because of hanging out with Vincent. But yeah. I don't know. There were a lot of people, too, that were like, we can do all of this, but we can't fix a paralyzed person. But that's right. Guess not. So he's fulfilled his purpose. He's gotten Vincent to space. He's loading himself inside the furnace. Meanwhile, it's the day that Vincent is flying and he says he doesn't need any samples where he's going, but they do one last pee test that he was not expecting. So he is not prepared. So he just is like, oh, fuck. Well, this is the end of the line. Says to the doctor, like, just remember that I was like a decent dude, you know, stuff like that. Turns out the doctor knew the whole time that he was faking his identity. He has a son that he's mentioned a couple times that is a bit less than perfect. And he has sympathy for him. And he's like, just uh, so you know, right-handed guys don't hold it with their left. Yeah, just something they should know. I mean, yeah, yeah it's like, my son's a big fan of yours. Right. And the whole time in this movie, he's like not listening to what he's saying. It's like, you know, I should tell you about my son sometime. Yeah, he's blowing him off. The only thing that he hears is like, huge fan of your dick. <laughs> All he hears is huge dick. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. Right, right, right. We'll see you up there. The doctor's known this whole time that he's been faking it and it's like giving him hope for his son. So he's like, you're going to miss your flight, Vincent. And the look on his face when he realizes like what this man has done for him. Oh my God, he's about yeah. to accomplish his dream. So just as we see Eugene turn the flames on in the furnace, the flames are coming out of the bottom of the spaceship going up with Vincent on board. He is like getting everything he's ever wanted. We see Eugene's silver medal glittering in the fire and that is the end there was another alternate ending kind of i think it was like post that but like before the credits and it showed images of like albert einstein abraham lincoln john f kennedy if genetic screening and all this had existed in their lifetime they wouldn't have been born and then they show like kind of the caption of all their genetic flaws but Mm -hmm. test audiences didn't like it because they kept thinking it was a suggestion that they were like genetically inferior it's like oh fuck what the fuck (laughs) come on man (laughs) You can't win. Way to fucking miss that point. But we already know they were genetically inferior. I mean, but like that doesn't. You're mean a they test didn't... audience. Yeah, Jeez. <laughs> you're not doing that great. This is how you need to make twenty bucks on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon. Okay. By the way, I would absolutely be a test audience. That sounds fucking of course, amazing. Of course. I mean, yeah, it's great. Gig economy. <laughs> Giggity economy. Giggity economy. Okay, let's rate it and summate it. Sure. You want to go first or you want me to go? Sure, I'll go first. I think there are so many levels to this film that like I haven't even comprehended yet. Like there mm. are so many layers. I think it's so smart. It requires patience in a way that feels exclusionary to an mm. audience that's not going to appreciate it. But I think they're probably like that's on purpose. You know, it's like if you're mm-hmm. not going to take the time to be with this, it's not your movie. Right. Um, you're not going to take the time to think about the lessons it's teaching or the themes or the the lighting or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. it's a movie where the context and the conversation that it was starting back then are still so relevant today, even more so that I think is incredible. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it the second time around, even though it like really pulls at my it's not an overtly emotional film. It is a cold, hard, scientific film, but it still has heart behind it. And it still makes you feel things, even though our characters aren't like overtly emotional. It's interesting. It's it's an interesting cocktail of things. I'm going to give this movie 7.8 mouth swabs. Nice. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that you summed it up pretty much exactly for me. I 
absolutely adore this movie. I think it's brilliant and it, it is emotional. It's like almost the perfect underdog story. It's like the quintessential underdog story. Mm-hmm. Not only is like that, like a Rudy type of movie, but it also <laughs> kind of like grapples with a lot of intellectual theory questions and, and tries to predict the future in a, a really amazing way. It looks so fucking cool. The music is gorgeous. I never mm-hmm. saved anything for the swim back is m- <sighs> one of the best lines ever, in ever. my opinion. I'm going to give this movie 10 out of 10 silver medals. <gasps> wow. How, what an interesting. Uh... I know. <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't really work. It's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. It's a thinker. <laughs> wow. Love it. Love it. Hope you all loved it. It's just such a, it's such a deep film. I'm like, I'm just yeah. feeling very like in my brain now. That's great. Makes you think. I have no dick jokes to make. I I have a couple, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, I seriously, like, I watched it last night, and I was going to watch it again today because I just love it so much. I didn't have wow. time, but I just love it. Well, now you can. Now I can. Good night, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Movie Club. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and write us a glowing review. We are millennials. We kind of need the validation. For even more goodies, be sure to follow Millennial Movie Club on TikTok and Instagram. Later, Later days. days.